queer anarchist space where we smash the patriarchy by celebrating what is strong about being soft. Here, we'll explore what is vulnerable, raw, hurt, healed, sensual, queer, and controversial. So join me and my friends from around the internet as we talk about deep shit and prove, as Janelle Monet said, that pink is the truth you can't hide. Hey, kiddos. Uh, so for those of you who are just on the edge of your seat every other Thursday waiting for that episode to hit, I'm sorry. You must know by now that this is quite a few hours late. I have just been struggling this week, um, and I'm not even sure what's going on. I'm trying so hard to be good and, and you know, just take really good care of myself. And I'm a mess. I'm just, like, not sleeping again and just very tired. I had basically podcaster's block <laughs> the last two days. I really wanted to get this episode done ahead of time because they usually do it the day before. And that's always stressful. Um, so I really wanted to get it recorded Tuesday and I I just like couldn't do it. And I want to say thank you because I had a few people send me prompts for stuff to talk about. So I had plenty of um, prompts. I just couldn't like nothing was resonating for me. I couldn't think of what to talk about. I just felt very uninspired. And, um, it, it wasn't because the prompts weren't great. They're all amazing. I, it was just me. It was like, I was just in some weird funk where I like could not wrap my head around doing this podcast. Um, and then last night I, so I decided to put it off until this morning. And then last night I could not sleep, uh, despite best efforts. Um, and somehow that gave me the juice (laughs) this morning, to get up and do it. Um, I apologize. There's probably going to be a lot of background noise. Uh, you know, I mean, as always, but especially since it's morning, I think there's going to be buses and trucks and things going by. And yeah, I do apologize, but I really want to get this done. I have game night with my friends tonight. And as you all know, from listening to the show, there is no quiet time of day here. So I apologize if it's even noisier than usual. Um, Maybe you can picture me recording this podcast in the middle of a four-way intersection because <laughs> that's basically <laughs> where I'm recording it. Uh, my apartment is literally on the street at a four-way intersection, so that's what you're hearing outside. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. Um, today's topic came from a friend who did give me some specific prompts, but it kind of emerged organically out of some conversations we were having. They're going through a breakup right now and, um, had some really interesting thoughts about it. And, you know, one of the things they brought up was the idea of the pandemic having actually made their relationship better. And now that they're sort of back out into the world, um, it's brought back the issues that they were having before. And I thought that was really interesting because I know I had been hearing a lot of stories about how, you know, the lockdown was increasing domestic violence and abuse and things like that. And um, for very obvious reasons, 
But I feel like I haven't heard a lot of people talk about the opposite of that, whereas you could have an abusive or dysfunctional, we'll say unhealthy relationship where lockdown actually makes it better because maybe that person is a bit jealous, a bit controlling, what have you, um, or, or maybe your issues were more around, you know, one of you likes to go out a lot and the other one doesn't, which, you know, doesn't necessarily mean your relationship's unhealthy. It may just mean that you're not a good fit. Um, but that, yeah, being trapped at home together might actually make, uh, some relationships function better. I don't know if any of you are watching it. I'm obsessed, but I've been watching Paris in Love, uh, which is Paris Hilton's show about her engagement to her fiance Carter and them planning their wedding. And it's interesting because they had a pandemic relationship. They basically started dating right at the beginning, I think, of 2019 or maybe the end of 20 or sorry end of 2019 beginning of 2020 somewhere in there anyway most of their relationship happened during the pandemic where they were basically living together and Paris was not traveling the way that she typically does which anyone who's watched her documentary knows she's traveling like nearly constantly And so, you know, they got engaged and they planned to, like, start a family right after the wedding and settle down. And Carter basically has dated this, like, pandemic version (laughs) of Paris. And now she's kind of back to being Paris Hilton and it's causing tensions in the relationship. Um, Please let me know if you watch the show. I absolutely fucking hate Carter. I think he's a douchebag and I would love to talk to someone about it. (laughs) I have some friends who are watching the show, but they're not caught up yet. So I've been trying not to spoil. Um, but But it's a good example of, you know, their dynamic worked in this very particular situation. And now that the situation's changed, it's not working, you know, and it's causing these, um, these issues of the dynamics in their relationship that may not be so great to come to the surface. And uh, I just thought that was very interesting. It was a interesting angle. Another thing this friend brought up is just being young and really wishing that she had realized some of this stuff even younger and wanting other people to have access to some of this information so that they have it now and not you know, years from now, uh, which is always a big motivator for me because I was in a, a couple really dysfunctional relationships and stayed in them way too long and really wish I had had this information and kind of realization much younger myself. So yeah, anytime I can get this out there and maybe help other people is really good for me. I also um, wanted to kind of, this isn't exactly a reboot of the first episode, but I took the first episode down because it was so personal and specific to what was going on at the time. And so I want to, in that episode, I talked about, you know, kind of expanded on an episode we had done previously about like knowing when it's time to leave. And a lot of that information I really liked, but I wasn't comfortable continuing to have like this really personal content out there that, you know, anyone new to the show would like, it would not make any sense to you. (laughs) And uh, 
it involves someone else. So I, you know, trying to be sensitive to that. I just, uh, yeah, I finally was like, yeah, I need to take this down. So anyway, this episode is one of probably many that will kind of touch on some of the information that was in that or some of my thoughts that was in that to make sure that it's still out there in the world, but it's in a format that's easier to share and more approachable for a new person who doesn't know, you know, my entire backstory as a podcaster. And I also have a friend who's kind of in a situation with their sibling Valentine's Day is coming up, so it just seemed like a really good time to talk about relationships. This may be one part of a two- or three-part series. I haven't fully decided yet. Um, I think I'll definitely do one more episode that's sort of related, aimed at talking about different aspects of relationships, but so hopefully you all find this interesting. Before we get into it... Money, please! My money. I want to say thank you to everyone who has sent me money this month. Uh, on Patreon, I want to say thank you to new patrons, Gully and Lindsay. Thank you both so much for joining the community. And I want to say thank you to Maria for increasing your pledge. I appreciate it so much. And then on PayPal, I got two one-time donations with lovely notes attached. That's my favorite part of the PayPal donations is people can write notes, and I love to read them. Uh, so thank you to Caroline and Addie. I really appreciate it. Right now, this is pretty much my only source of income, so anything you can send if you are getting value out of the show really helps me a lot, helps me pay my bills. And um, if you want to support the show in other ways, uh, just being here listening is great. That's amazing. Thank you for being here. If any of the episodes you think would resonate with someone in your life, please send them to them. And leave me a, a good review, <laughs> not a bad review, but a good review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this uh, is also really super helpful. So just thanks for being here and thanks for supporting the show. All right, on to the main topic. So I'm going to list out 15 signs or 15 red flags, um, just things, signs that the dynamic may not be healthy and that that may be something you want to think about. I want to make a note that um, all of these are for the person in particular. Now, they can apply to multiple people in your life. And if you find that's the case, don't make that make you doubt yourself. A lot of times if we grow up in an, in an unhealthy environment or a dysfunctional environment or an environment where we weren't taught good conflict resolution, good communication skills, etc., it's not uncommon for us to have a, been drawn to or have drawn in the same type of person <laughs> over and over and over. So you may recognize some of these things in multiple people in your lives. And that doesn't mean it's not true. You know, it doesn't mean you're just like casting this wide net on everyone. It, me it could mean that, yeah, you've replicated a pattern with a lot of the relationships in your lives. And that's pretty common. So that can happen. But I do also want to say that for a lot of these, they could be if you maybe have social anxiety, if you have childhood trauma, if you have PTSD, there's a lot of ways in which that you may feel some of these things and they may not necessarily be true. Um, 
and you may feel them all the time regardless of the person and and then that's a separate thing so i just want to be clear about that you know because it is possible that if you are struggling with something in particular you might feel this way all the time with everybody and it's part of your trauma response and i think like you probably know that <laughs> You know, if you're struggling with something, you probably know that you're struggling with it and you know that it's going to cause you to feel this way. But I just want to put the disclaimer out there that this is really supposed to help you determine people in your life who are making you, you know, they're not even the person, but the relationship itself is making you feel this way so that you can deal with that. Um, this isn't to help you overcome something that might make you feel this way towards everybody, regardless of how they're actually engaging with you. I'm not equipped to do that. Um, I also want to say before I delve into this list, I just want to be clear that none of these things make anyone a bad person necessarily. So I'm not saying these are signs of someone being a monster or a narcissist or a toxic person or any of the other problematic clickbaity thing you so often see in relationship conversations. I'm always disappointed, you know, how much people vilify other people in content that surrounds things like red flags or dysfunctional relationships and how often they're done by therapists, which frankly creeps me out. It's like you're a therapist and you're being so aggro and like weird and vilifying of the other person. Anyway, so anyway, a lot of these things are often just a sign of emotional immaturity, which can be a symptom of someone's age and lack of experience, or even more often a symptom of childhood trauma and or not being taught how to have healthy interpersonal interactions from, you know, whoever raised them. So the important thing here is not to necessarily judge the other person, and it's also not to diagnose them or get caught up in sympathizing with their origin story. So the important thing here dear listener, is you. So your happiness, your safety, your needs, your wants, this is about identifying behaviors that may be unhealthy for you so you can make an informed decision about your life and the people in it. Without further ado, and in no particular order, here is my list of the 15 things I could think of that were really big red flags for me that I didn't catch in time to not get involved in these ridiculous relationships that I was in, um, but are things that I definitely think about now. All right, so the first one is you feel like you have to make excuses for the other person, and this could mean a lot of things, but I think it ties into the second one, which is you feel personally responsible for the other person, so you feel responsible for their behavior or for their well-being, or for their mood. So maybe they are rude to your friends, and instead of being like, what the fuck, like, why are you being rude to my friends? You know, instead you tell your friends, oh, he's having a bad day, or he didn't mean it that way, or, you know, she was just joking, or whatever. And this can be a tricky one because, you know, we may date people who are neurodivergent. And sometimes, as an autistic person, 
I can understand that, yeah, sometimes we just don't come across the way that we intend and having a loved one act as interpreter for us can be really helpful. So I want this to be clear that it's not in that way where like someone, you know, just kind of needs your help navigating social spaces a little bit. It's really more about you're trying to manage all of the relationships around you and you have to manage this person the way that this person is engaging with the people that you care about in your life because you want them to like that person, right? You want there to be a relationship because all of these people are important to you, but that person's not really making the effort and is in fact (laughs) perhaps doing harm And you just find yourself constantly making excuses for them to cover that up and try to like smooth that over. And or you are making excuses in the sense that, you know, you get together with your friends and you're all talking about your relationships in your life. And, you know, you're maybe telling a story about this person and your friends are saying or your family, you know, whoever you're talking to is saying, hmm that seems kind of fucked up and you're like oh no no and you're just constantly always trying to explain it away and you know have people not think that anything's bad but the people around you are like pretty constantly alarmed (laughs) or pissed or you know whatever it is but they're they're picking up on something and you find yourself just continuously trying to like explain it in a way that makes everyone fine and and not think bad of this person instead of, you know, sometimes like you don't even have, when you're doing all of that, you don't even have the space to actually process how you feel about it. And, you know, you find yourself saying that things are fine a lot, like, oh, no, it didn't even bother me. Like, I'm fine. But, you know, if people love you and care about you and you have healthy relationships with them and they're concerned, that's usually a pretty good indicator that like something isn't quite right and you constantly having to make excuses for that person is a pretty good indicator that something's awry. As I mentioned, number two, feel personally responsible for the other person, their behavior and or their well-being and mood. So again, we can be with people. um, We can have people in our lives that are struggling in certain ways and it's okay for us to figure out dynamics that work to help support that person. Um, You know, again, if you, I think neurodivergence is a great example. Someone who has trouble navigating social interactions is going to make some mistakes. And if you're someone who's okay or happy, you know, to be interpreter for them and to support them in that way and feel that, you know, you can do that and feel fulfilled and, you know, not have that drain you too much. I think that's wonderful. Um, As a disabled person, you know, if someone can help me with my disability, um, that's great. (laughs) That's like, I need that. You know, I need that for my relationships. So what I mean here isn't isn't the ways in which we might meld together and support each other, because I think that's really beautiful and very healthy. But what I mean is that, you know, if you're If this person comes over and they're in a bad mood, you feel that it's your job to get them out of that bad mood and you feel really compelled and maybe even quite nervous about them being in a bad mood and do just immediately feel personally responsible for for that mood. Even though you didn't create it, you weren't around when it happened, but now that they're in your orbit, 
and they're in this mood, you feel like you have to get them out of it. They're being responsible for their behavior. Again, like the way that they show up in the world and you feel that you have to smooth things over for them. You have to try to teach them how to be their well-being. You know, maybe they don't take very good care of themselves and you feel that you have to take care of them or they won't do it. Um, Again, you know, mileage can vary on this. And, you know, again, I don't want to say like if you're supporting someone who's struggling, that that has to be a red flag. But I think the key here is that that person is not at all invested in their in being responsible for their own behavior, their own well-being or their own mood. Like if they're very happy for you to assume that role of being responsible for them, that's when you have the red flag. I think a lot of people like me, you know, I'm always very cognizant of how much other people are doing for me and always really trying to be responsible for myself and taking the help where I can get it, but always feeling that it's it's me as the primary person who is in charge of my well-being, my mood, my behavior, um, even if I need help sometimes. So number three, paradoxically, <laughs> perhaps from number one, is you feel like you have to explain or defend yourself constantly. So you might be explaining or defending on this person's behalf to other people, but with this person, you feel that you are having to defend or explain yourself constantly. We can have interpersonal differences, you know, we can have disagreements, whatever, but I think when we're really close to someone, there should be a degree to which we get each other and you shouldn't have to feel misunderstood. It's like when someone's really nitpicking you or policing your behavior and they're just constantly questioning you all the time. Like why, uh, a good example from my ex was like, why are you wearing lipstick today? What is that about? Who did you see? You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, I just put on fucking lipstick. Because I felt like it one day and now I'm in the kitchen defending myself against my boyfriend because I guess he thought I was cheating on him because I wore lipstick one day. So that's what I mean, that kind of irrational, just out of nowhere and it makes you very jumpy and you, you don't understand where it's coming from and you just find yourself like constantly having to explain. I mean, sometimes he would be like, why did you use that word? And I'd have to like explain why I used a certain vocabulary word. It's It was so weird. So just shit like that. <laughs> when you, yeah, you feel like your behavior and just like your personhood is, is constantly under interrogation or scrutiny and you find yourself just having to like defend like why you bought whole wheat bread instead of white bread or whatever. It's just like you're just having to constantly defend yourself in these like really arbitrary, weird little ways. Relatedly, number four, you're afraid to say or do the wrong thing and or you find yourself trying really hard to please the other person and follow their usually unspoken rules. So again, just feeling jumpy and feeling like you get the sense that you pissed this person off or that you disappointed them or that you broke some sort of rule, but you kind of never really know what the rules are. And you don't really understand how to avoid being in the wrong, but you find yourself trying really hard to do so. 
and it's exhausting and it's not healthy. And I will say this one in particular, I do feel is pretty indicative of some kind of abuse. I think often emotional abuse and manipulation. The other person may not be conscious of it. I think this is often, I think this does often happen subconsciously, but this is a person who is essentially training you or has trained you to be oriented around them and has has taught you that they're they're the ones setting the rules and that's not a good partnership right that's not a good relationship like why are they the one who's in charge and this a lot of times can happen with people who are just really insecure and they want to feel like they have control of the situation and this is how they get that control. And I, I'm just saying this because I've experienced this kind of abuse and it's extremely subtle sometimes and it's hard even for me now to call it abuse even though I do very much feel that it was. So I wanted to highlight that because I think this can be a thing that again is easy to explain away like, oh, this person's just in a bad mood or oh, this person's just, like, insecure, and it's okay, like, I don't mind trying to, like, please this person, but this is the kind of shit that will, like, eat you from the inside out. This will hollow you out. <laughs> that Like, really, this will get you to just, like, it will warp your perception of relationships and your sense of self. It's one that's, like, can be extremely subtle and is incredibly damaging, so, and, and again, it's not always coming from, I think it's probably not even often coming from someone who has malice, malicious intent, excuse me, in their behavior. Um, but that can also in its own way be more damaging because it's, and combined with someone who's really insecure, it can mean that when you're trying to say, Hey, you know, I kind of feel nervous around you and I feel like I'm I'm trying to please you all the time and I feel like you're getting mad at me but I don't really understand why that person can often react very poorly <laughs> and make you feel really bad like a lot of times they can kind of gaslight you really effectively because everything that's happening is so subtle that it's easy for them to be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what are you even talking about? And you're like, well, I don't know. It's kind of just a feeling I have. Often people who are really insecure in this way have a very hard time accepting responsibility for anything negative. So with this being so subtle, so easy to dismiss, and then also with them having a really hard time taking accountability it's it's just a really bad <laughs> dynamic. And yeah, it can do a lot of damage and it can it can be something that happens for years and years and years before you really realize like how much it's kind of warped the way that you engage with other people. And so I want to I, I just want to like linger on it for a second just to really say like please I'm going to repeat it. If you feel that you're afraid to say or do things around this person and or you find yourself trying really hard to please them and follow their usually unspoken rules, like this is a big bad red flag. And it doesn't mean you need to cut this person off necessarily, but it just means like please pay attention to that. Take that very seriously and just think about if there's ways for you to set boundaries where you can start to disengage from this dynamic and make sure that you are 
finding a way to preserve your sense of self and finding a way to have like healthy relationships in your life that remind you that this is not normal. Another big one for me that is really subtle is you feel misunderstood and or you get flustered and or frustrated when trying to express your feelings. And this can really happen with people who are not like who are generally maybe really nice or seem mature in other ways or have good communication skills in other ways. But um, I dated someone actually that this happened with and it was like the weirdest experience of, you know, he was really sweet and we got along pretty well and had fun together. But anytime I had an issue, I would try to talk to him about it. And he would just make me feel like I was speaking another language. Like he just did not understand what I was saying and was very dismissive and was just like, I don't get it. You know, and it just, it it made me feel, I think especially as an autistic, like it made me feel so bad to just be so fundamentally misunderstood and like just not... (laughs) My feelings just made no sense to this person. It was one of the reasons I ended the relationship because it it just was such an awful feeling. And I think if you're going to be in a close relationship with anybody, you know, you need to be able to express your feelings and have the other person hold space for them. And even if they don't get where you're coming from, I mean, honestly, though, if time after time after time, like you either of you or both of you cannot understand where the other person's coming from. I do feel like it's a pretty fundamental incompatibility, at least for like a close relationship. And otherwise, it's just, it's, there's just no way to have any kind of conflict resolution or feel safe in a relationship where every time you try to talk about how you feel, the other person's like, just looking at you like you have three heads, you know? Number six, they say one thing and then later say the totally opposite thing in terms of how they feel about a situation. And the later thing always means that you're in trouble. If you've experienced this, I hope you know what I mean. But a lot of times I find that people who are really insecure and or controlling will often try to be the good guy in a situation so something might happen and they might be like completely understanding and you're like wow this is going so well (laughs) especially if you typically have this dynamic where you feel under misunderstood or you feel like you have to defend yourself and often you'll be like oh my god is this person like growing and things are going to be so much better and then whether it's later that day or the next week or the next month whenever it is they suddenly are like talking about the same situation, but now they're mad at you. (laughs) And now they're like, wait a minute, you did things wrong. I don't like the way you did them, or I don't like how you talked to me, or I think it's really fucked up that you said this. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you said literally the opposite thing, or you had like literally the opposite attitude when we talked about this. And now suddenly you've just completely 180'd and you've caught me completely off guard And now you're mad about something I thought went great and now we're in a fight. You know what I mean? Or now I'm caught off guard and I feel like I'm in trouble and I don't understand what's going on. This is another control tactic. And again, often it can be subconscious. Not necessarily someone is planning to do this, but it's another way for someone to seem... I think a lot of times, too, people want to think that they're really... (laughs) mature and really good at communicating and a really good like partner or friend or family member and um 
So in the moment, they're able to kind of show up in that way. And then they get time to themselves and they start thinking. And then they start thinking and they think. And then they get in their own heads, right? And they like are like, wait a minute, actually, (laughs) I'm mad about this now. And I can understand. I I can actually relate to this a lot because this is something I used to do, which is why I know (laughs) how these people think. But yeah, I always wanted to be more chill and more secure and like be cool with things. And so I would be chill and then like I would just start thinking and then I would like get in my own fucking way and I would get mad. You know, I'd find some little detail or some little thing to get mad about or I would just see it in a different light, like something that I thought wasn't a big deal. And then all of a sudden I would think it actually meant something like this person, you know, like I would find something to be jealous about or whatever. And suddenly I would like have a problem with it. And it's really not good behavior. It's not a good way to show up in a relationship at all. So this is a very um, valid thing to feel not okay with. And again, it's kind of a hard thing to talk to the other person about, right? Because then at that point, they're mad and now they feel like they've come to you. That's the thing, too, is they'll frame it as like, well, I have a problem and I'm trying to talk to you and now you're being dismissive and you're just like, what? (laughs) Like, are you serious? But yeah, it's also a way to keep you off kilter and just, you know, it's a way for them to show up and be the good guy for a little bit. And then but then like also keep you off kilter. Um, that's not exactly why I was doing it. I was doing it because I was really fucking insecure. But if someone's doing it from a more, like, abusive space, it can also work to keep you feeling like, again, the rules are unspoken. You just really don't know what's going to happen at any given point. Hey, y'all. Editor Nick here. I was just listening to and editing the episode, and I realized at this point that although I was trying not to put in Five million caveats. Uh, this point actually does really need one, and I didn't feel comfortable leaving the episode up without some clarification. Despite the fact that I am desperately trying to get this motherfucker edited and posted <laughs> and out of my life. Anyway, I just want to make it very clear that it is absolutely okay and actually very healthy to go back and readdress an issue you may have had with someone. If for whatever reason you didn't express that issue when it first came up, uh, I think especially as a reformed people pleaser, this was a big part of my personal growth was allowing myself space to come back to someone and say, hey, I know I said it was totally okay that you didn't text me to let me know you weren't going to show up the other day, but actually it's not okay and I don't appreciate that and don't do that again. It's disrespectful or, you know, it made me feel worried and embarrassed and rejected and I just think that, you know, next time just give me a text and have that respect for me. Something like that is perfectly reasonable and okay. I don't want to make it sound like any time you change your mind about something and come back to it, that that makes you an abusive or unhealthy person. Quite the opposite in a lot of cases. What I'm talking about, I thought a a good example of this would be something, this has happened to me and this is also something that I have reacted poorly to, is something like, 
hey, I know we were supposed to hang out on Friday, but my friend just invited me to this really cool thing that I really want to go do, and I would just be so excited to go do it. Uh, Is it okay if we move our plans to Saturday? I still really want to hang out with you, but I, you know, would love to go do this thing if that would be okay with you. And the person saying, yeah, of course, like, go have a great time. That sounds wonderful. And like, yeah, we can totally hang out on Saturday. No big deal. And then as Saturday or as Friday approaches, all of a sudden, the other person is like, I can't believe that you're ditching me to go hang out with your friends. Like, we had plans. What do you not even care about me anymore? Do you not love me anymore? Do you not want to hang out with me? Am I not as exciting as your friends? Why am I not being invited to this event? What the fuck? Like, why are you treating me like this? I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you canceled on me. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about where the person says one thing and acts one way and then all of a sudden they act a different way and you feel like you're in trouble. So hopefully that makes sense and that clarifies a bit. I really did not want to leave this episode with the impression that it's not okay to like go back and bring up stuff that you may have changed your mind about. I mean, I'm autistic as I've mentioned and for me, having a delay in processing my emotions combined with having been raised as a people pleaser. This happens to me all the time. I constantly have delayed feelings about stuff and then I have to go back to the person and be like, hey, I'm sorry I didn't bring this up the other day, but in thinking about the situation, like this has come up for me. But I feel like that's different than hopefully you can understand the difference between that and the example that I used where it's more of you know, you're, you're just, you're just trying to get through life, right? It's just like a life thing. And it's like, hey, you know, is this cool or whatever? And the other person's like, oh, yeah. And they're just super understanding and chill. And then all of a sudden, they're acting like you did something horribly wrong. And you're, they're so offended. And they're very much not chill. And this also kind of ties into the earlier thing about, there, again, not being clear rules or perhaps the rules are always changing. This is yet another way that you can start to feel really uncertain and very much like you're walking on eggshells with this person because you don't understand, like, even if something's fine, then it might just suddenly not be fine. And it's also a way, uh, this can also lead to abusive behavior where you, you know, if this person gave you a yes, like, uh, Again, they're positioning themselves to essentially give you permission for things and then also conditioning you that they could just take that permission away at any given moment for no reason. So you, you know, again, start to fall into this trap that they're something of an authority figure, um, someone that you have to please, someone whose mood you have to control. And, you know, even if you get a yes from them, you're just holding your breath, hoping they don't change their mind up until the last minute. So hopefully that clarifies the situation. Um, I just, I want it to be very clear. I did not want to leave it sounding like if you ever (laughs) come back and talk to someone after the fact that you're being abusive. Sorry, the construction workers are getting rowdy out in the hallway again, so I'm going to go. But thank you. This was Editor Nick clarifying, adding the nuance. Now back to the show. Seven, they bar you from doing new things, particularly things that would facilitate personal growth or independence. 
And they they keep you from doing this stuff either through outright, you know, commanding that you don't do it or by making it difficult or impossible for you to do it logistically or by making it too much emotional grief to do it. So this is another way to control you. This is another like usually really insecure thing of, you know, I'm scared for you to grow and expand your horizons because then you'll realize I you're not. I'm not good enough for you, or you'll make new friends and you won't need me anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And it also can highlight, I think a lot of times people who behave this way don't have a lot going on themselves. And so they get really insecure about people in their lives, you know, having like fuller lives than them. It makes them feel really scared. So this can be a behavior that pops up a lot in those kind of relationships. So in sort of a reversal uh, from number six, number eight, you blame yourself for everything, even if sometimes you were initially mad at them and certain that they had wronged you. And now suddenly you find yourself apologizing (laughs) in a conversation where you were trying to bring something up that you were upset about. So this can happen a lot where you just get into a habit of like blaming yourself and looking for ways that you're you're overreacting or you're being unreasonable or maybe you came at them when they were having a bad day or you didn't word it exactly perfectly right to have them listen to you. So it can happen. It can happen very easily over time. You know, these, uh, cause usually a lot of these go hand in hand. So especially with some of the other things we've already talked about, that you can just get into a pattern of thinking, just kind of automatically believing that you're the problem in every situation even in times where you initially did identify that like, wait a minute, this wasn't okay and I want to talk about it. And then, yeah, somehow it gets swapped around and then you like end up being like, oh, I that was so rude of me to bring that up or to like care about that. And I'm, I'm so selfish and, you know. Number nine, you find yourself avoiding certain topics or activities because you know it'll be too much drama later. <laughs> probably self-explanatory, but yeah, if you find yourself just giving up before you even try to talk about something or you want to go do something and you're just like, oh, this is going to be a whole fight, that's a really big red flag for me. Because again, it's it's basically that the dynamic of the relationship has established that control and that manipulation of you in teaching you that like, okay, if you want to talk about this thing or if you want to go do this thing, you can do it, but you're going to have to pay for it later. And when you find yourself just giving up stuff because you don't want to deal with it, that's a really bad sign. I think somewhat relatedly, number 10, you find your friend group shrinking or contact with family lessening, etc. because of this relationship. So again, Maybe your friends don't like this person, maybe your family, uh, maybe they don't like your family, whatever it is, or they just never want to go out and then they don't want you to go out by yourself. Whatever it is, you just find that you're starting to lose touch with people and you can, maybe it's not super obvious at first, but like if you think about it, you can tie it back to this relationship and this person's behavior. 11, uh, they treat every fight as a debate, trying to score points rather than emotionally engaging with the conflict at hand. 
and trying to, you know, seek to understand your side and coming from a place of openness. This is a huge problem. I feel, especially in younger relationships, and I'm going to say it, especially with cishet men, (laughs) uh, they love the debate bro tactic of relationships, but I think a lot of different people can do this. And it's a way to, uh, it's a way to try to invalidate other people's feelings by like outlogicking them, which is not it's not a good way to have a relationship. Like you shouldn't have to be logical when you're talking about how you feel. And even though it can be frustrating and we're not going to all be perfect at it all the time, typically if someone you love comes to you and says, you know, I'm hurt about this or I have feelings about this, like our initial reaction should be, oh, well, I'm sorry. Like, tell me about it and let me try to understand. Even if you don't fully, even if you don't fully agree with what they're saying, like, a lot, you know, we should be able to meet each other in an emotional space and try to make that safe and try to like work, you know, towards everyone feeling better and having a resolution rather than being like, well, that's not logical. <laughs> or, you know, you can't be mad about that because three years ago you said this thing and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you just feel like suddenly you're in, in a debate class or like in a fight or something. 12, uh, I think is really important and not talked about enough, but if you feel uneasy, agitated, or nervous around them, even if you can't pinpoint why, that's a really valid feeling that you should listen to. This was a really hard one for me, and literally one of the reasons I started therapy was because I just felt really fucking agitated and uneasy around someone in my life all the time. And I really couldn't pinpoint even exactly why or what was going on. And it made me feel like a terrible person. And I went to therapy to try to figure out like how to stop feeling this way. And then somewhere along the line, I realized that these feelings were indicative of something deeper that was going on in the dynamic. Unfortunately, my therapist wasn't supportive of that. Like I I kind of feel like me bringing this up should (laughs) have... I don't know. I guess it's like easy to say this in hindsight, but I just kind of feel like me bringing this up should have prompted her to ask me questions that would have gotten me to understand that like, oh, these feelings are coming up for a reason. But she did actually try to get me to like stop feeling that way (laughs) and tried to make me basically see that I was, you know, not being like generous enough or not being like kind enough or understanding enough, which is actually the opposite of the problem that I was having. Um, but it's, it's really valid. And it's, it, I think a lot of us feel this way, but we, again, we're conditioned that like, if we can't pinpoint a monstrous, like obviously villainous behavior that someone else has done, if someone hasn't like wronged us in some really obvious way, then our general feelings of unease aren't valued in society, right? As valid. Um, but they are this this sense that you have this uneasiness is telling you that something is not right and it's as valid as anything else and it's really all you need to know like if you're not happy around someone like that's all you need to know anyway i'm getting into the conclusion but i just really wanted to highlight this because again i think this happens to a lot of people and we're just taught that like this is not <laughs> not like 
valid of just saying, I don't know. I just feel off around this person. I just don't feel comfortable, you know? I know some people have critiques of it, but I think The Gift of Fear is a really, really good book specifically around this point because it talks about our instincts and how, especially for, you know, women or people conditioned female, uh, those instincts, everyone tries to override those instincts, like the way we're conditioned tries to override those instincts. But he talks about like how our fear, how our uneasiness, our discomfort are actually really powerful and extremely valid instincts that we have that we should listen to. And it can, you know, save our lives in some cases. This one is so fucking obvious. And yet (laughs) younger me needed to hear this. So I'm putting it in here. They get mad at you. Number 13, they get mad at you about your past, even for things that happened before you met them. It is not okay, children, anyone listening to this, it is not okay for someone to get mad at you for experiences you had in your past, especially not to get mad at you just for literally having experiences. But even if you've made mistakes in your past, even if you've done stuff maybe you're not proud of, and I encourage you to unpack that because often when I hear people say they've made mistakes or they've done bad things or they're not proud of stuff and then they tell me what it is, I'm like, that's fine. Like, <laughs> like you didn't do anything wrong. You just had an experience that you wanted to have and that was it, you know? Anyway, so I'm just saying like, yeah, I think a lot of us would count something as like, something in our past. And a lot of times it's, it's not, it's really more social conditioning telling us that that's the thing in our past. But either way, no one has a right to get mad at you for stuff you've done in your past. Uh, again, like I said, especially for things before you even met them. And honestly, even if you did do something wrong to that person in the past, I firmly believe that If you're going to continue to have a relationship, then that person needs to forgive you. There needs to be a path for forgiveness to happen. I'm not saying like they have to automatically forgive you, but I really can't fucking stand when people stay in each other's lives and the one person just holds a grudge forever, you know, and just like beats the other person over the head with whatever it was forever. That is extremely unhealthy. And if you're the person who fucked up and you've tried, you know, really hard to or you just like you've given a, a genuine effort of trying to make things right and this person just will not let it go, like you're entitled to walk away from that. That's just not healthy. And it may suck. You know, they may be someone that you care about very much and it may be really hard to know that your mistake is what ultimately led you to like having to sever that relationship. But at the same time, like. It's not okay to keep someone around and not forgive them. It's that's torture. (laughs) It's just it's not an okay dynamic. And then, yeah, if someone's getting mad at you for shit that had nothing to do with them, like that's a massive red flag. That's extremely controlling and it's extremely degrading. And it's definitely going to put you in the position to be acting, you know, at the top of the list here in ways where you feel really nervous around this person. You feel really defensive. You feel like you're responsible for their mood. Oh, my God. My ex. (sighs) So he found out that I like I don't even know how to explain this, but basically, let's just say I had a little date 
like a very innocent little date with one of my friends while before he and I even started talking in high school. And when he found that out that night, we were we went to a party together. <laughs> we were like basically living together at the time. So we go to this party. He ended up go. We were supposed to go together. He ended up going with a friend and I met him there. And he ignored me all night, and then he flirted with this girl in front of me all night. And then when we were driving home together at the end, he was talking about how hot she is and just being really weird. And fine, I was like, what is going on with you? And then finally he was like, well, you know, you did this thing with this person, and like, how does it feel or whatever? And I was like, okay, so that was all revenge for me having like a very, very like nothing happened kind of date with this guy before you and I were even talking. That is not okay. <laughs> it's not normal and it's not okay. And again, this may be very obvious to a lot of you, but unfortunately, it was not obvious to me when I was 17. I put up with this shit. And I thought that, yeah, somehow it was my fault that, like, I had had any kind of a past before him because they really bought into purity culture. So anyway, this can apply in many different ways. I think it's the most obvious with, like, jealousy and sex and dating and stuff like that. But I, I find that, like, this can apply in many, many different ways, even in friendships or, you know... Family situations, um, like in family situations, I feel this way a lot with parents and kids or sometimes with siblings where it's like the family will keep bringing up something someone did when they were like six years old and it's like, can you let it the fuck go? Like, why are you still giving this person shit for something they did when they were a literal child? Like, that is bananas. Let it fucking go. This can be like a weird way too of people just not accepting who you are and trying to keep you stuck in a role that they've assigned for you. And again, this happens a lot when people are insecure. So they may want to think that you're the fuck up sibling, right? And so they keep bringing up like stuff that you did in high school to remind you that you're the fuck up, even if you're not the fuck up anymore, because that's what they need to feel like they're the good one, you know? So anyway, yeah, Any anytime people just keep beating you up about your past is just a really big red flag. And I think I want to say particularly in romantic relationships, that is a massive, massive, massive red flag. Another subtle but incredibly important one to watch out for is someone overrides your boundaries like right away. And they'll usually start with extremely small boundaries so just watch out for this. It's hard to it's hard to explain this. Um, one example I have, I think I've said this before in like past content, but I I was like not drinking. Sometimes I just don't drink for, you know, spans of time. And I was not drinking and I went to a party and I met um, this guy, you know, he was like one of the people there and he, you know, came up to me and he was like trying to get me a drink. And I kept telling him that I don't, I wasn't drinking. And he kept saying shit. He was like, well, if you were drinking, what kind of drink would you have? You know, or he's like, if you had to choose between between red or white wine, which would you have? And it was just like, stop. And I finally said to him too, I'm like, why are you trying to push my boundaries on this? Like, why are you 
being so weird about it and he was so taken aback. But to me, it was like very obvious rape culture bullshit. And I did end up finding out this guy was one of those guys who calls girls like targets (laughs) and is into the whole like pickup artist community or whatever, you know, just the guys who talk about women like they're fucking hunting them. And that is one of the things that they teach men is find where she's saying no and get her to say yes and then keep escalating that. And so, but this doesn't have to be in a sexual or romantic situation. Um, I mean, not that it's romantic, but you get what I mean. Uh, but this, this can happen with anybody, you know, this can happen with friends. Like, again, this person that I had that sense of uneasiness with one of the things that used to make me uncomfortable is, you know, they would offer me like food or drink and I'd be like, no, I'm good. And then it would just keep getting brought up and it would just make me so uneasy because I'm like, no, I'm good. And it was just like, uh, or it would just be anything. And it would just you know, anytime I was like, no, I'm okay, or I don't want this. It was like pushing, 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 pushing. And then it got escalated to bigger things that I would be like, no, I don't really want to do this. And then they did. And so it just became very common that I would say no to something and then we would end up doing it because they wanted to. So this can happen in a lot of different ways, but it's It's really, um, I think it's something that people don't pay enough attention to. And I think it's often something that people find like cute and it's seen as like flirting for you to say no to something. And then someone keep, keeps, um, like trying to push it on you. Um, but it's not cute (laughs) and it's actually like really predatory behavior. It's a way that people identify like people who will be good victims And it's also a way that you just end up in, you know, friendships or situations. And it is something that I think can happen in families a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, I see this a ton with fucking grandparents. No offense to my grandparents out there, but um, it's very common that it's accepted that or, you know, aunts and uncles or whatever. But it's very socially acceptable that it's like oh, you know, give your grandma a hug. And you're like, oh, I don't want to. And they're like, well, you have to like give your grandma a hug. You know, it's these small ways that we have our autonomy like constantly overridden. People don't listen to us and it just leads to bigger things. And and even in the, even when it stays on the small scale, it really does impact your sense of self and your sense of that you're like you're being heard and that your that your needs and wants matter. And when you're constantly told in all these small ways that your needs and wants don't matter, this is how you end up in situations like this with people who treat you in the ways that we've discussed today. And then the last one, um, if you try to leave, so number 15, if you try to leave or take a break from the relationship, they interrogate you about why and tell you that your reasons aren't good enough or that you didn't do it in the right way or that you're wrong for doing it now. So I might elaborate on this or bring this back up in a future episode, but I want to take a moment right now to say that you can leave anyone at any time for any reason or for no reason at all. I know certain people hate hearing this, thinking it's like a blank check for others to run around and be irresponsible with how they treat the people in their lives, and I get that. But honestly, as someone who's trapped in an abusive relationship for years and was brainwashed by that person into thinking I had to have like a case 
for breaking up that was so airtight that it could go to the Supreme Court. I feel very strongly about a person's right to choose to not be in a relationship if they don't want to be. And I don't know, I'm going to be super frank and say, like, if you are just, you know, freaking out or revolted by that idea, then like, please interrogate that because the people in your life shouldn't feel like they cannot leave their like terminate their relationship with you if they need to. I think the strongest relationships in the world are the ones that feel the most open and free and the ones where you know that if you needed to tell that person that it was over or that you needed a break from them that they would just like accept that and be and like let you go. And those are the ones that actually end up being the best for us. Now, this doesn't mean that, you know, I'm advocating for everyone to just be willy-nilly and not care about each other. But I think we all have to start from a place of, like, we understand that we're separate autonomous people and that if for some reason at some point a relationship isn't working for us anymore, we can leave it. And that is really fucking important. So if you find yourself, like, trying to break up with someone multiple times and they keep like arguing you out of it, (laughs) that's not good. Um, And by breakup, I mean, you know, whatever, not necessarily like dating, but just any relationship. Um, That's really not good. And just try to think about it from the perspective of like, would you, would you really want someone staying in a relationship with you because you basically told them that they can't leave you? I think, I think people who think that it's wrong to leave someone without, like, this airtight reason for why do believe that. Honestly, I do think a lot of them are happy for people to stay with them because they feel that they have to. But I think for the rest of us, like, for those of us who relate to a lot of this stuff on the list of, like, having experienced it... Um, you know, I don't think any of us would want someone staying with us just because they felt that they had to. I think we would all want someone to like be happy. And if they weren't happy, then to feel that they could leave. And you deserve the same, you know, you deserve to leave if you want to leave. And if someone can't process that, that's on them. That's work they have to do. We all have to process rejection and grief, you know, in our lives. But But that doesn't mean that you can't leave if you want to. And the reason I emphasize this so much that like you do not need to even have a reason if you want to leave, that is the reason, like that's all the reason you need, is because sometimes, again, sometimes things feel off, sometimes we're just really unhappy and we can't articulate why. And it may take us years to figure out what was wrong and sometimes like, Maybe the person's fine, but for whatever reason, we're just not fucking happy. Maybe it has nothing to do with them. Maybe it has to do with us. Maybe we're going through a thing and we just can't go through it with this other person. Whatever it is, like, we only have one fucking life. Like, we're only here for a set amount of time and we should not feel obligated to waste that time with people who don't make us happy or doing things that make us feel miserable. And I really fucking believe that. And I've had people fucking leave me or ghost me. So I'm not saying this as if I haven't experienced how goddamn fucking awful it is to have someone just drop you out of nowhere. I know what it's like. But honestly, I was like, okay, you know, and I grieved 
I fucking grieved. Like, I can't even tell you how much. But at the end of the day, like, if someone didn't want to be with me or didn't want to be in contact with me for whatever reason, I don't even know the reason for some of these people. And I've had to just deal with that. Like, that's my burden to carry. That's what happens when you get into relationships with people. They may decide to leave the relationship and we have to be adults and deal with that. So I'm very, very adamant about this point. And I say it as someone who has experienced this and knows how fucking gut-wrenchingly just fucking awful it is to have someone you love and care about just leave your life and you don't even know why. But that is someone's right. And we should, we should honestly celebrate that we should more you know I think there's so many people stuck with other people all the time and we should celebrate people doing what they need to do for whatever reason like one of the people I think honestly it has more to do with their addiction issues and their romantic situation and a bunch of other things than it had to do with me you know it doesn't make it hurt any less like it still fucking devastates me but I can also see, you know, that like it probably had very little to even do with me and that this person had a lot of shit going on and that as much as I would love to know why and would love and I feel, you know, that years and years of friendship like should have, it would have been nice to have some kind of notice, (laughs) some kind of conversation, something, some acknowledgement I can also understand that this person probably has a lot going on and are a fucking mess and are just probably doing the best they can and are dealing with their shit or not dealing with their shit. Maybe they're hitting bottom. I don't know. But like, you know, dealing with me and my emotions is probably the last thing that they have the the spoons or forks or whatever to deal with. And I get that. I do. (laughs) I hate it. It hurts. And, you know, it's never going to feel, even if I can intellectually understand it, there's always going to be an emotional response that's separate from that. But I respect it and I let it happen and it's fine, you know? And so that's just the work we all have to do. And I think, um, you know, tackling a strong sense of self and reading or listening to podcasts or whatever you want to do to educate yourself about attachment styles and about healthy communication and um, healthy boundary setting, all of these things are really important work that we all need to do. So if you recognized yourself in any of these behaviors to avoid, you know, I just didn't, you're not a monster. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Uh, And it just gives you some avenues of introspection and work that you need to do. I honestly have done a lot of these myself. I've experienced both sides of a lot of these things. So I'm not judging anyone. I just know that I wish I had been able to identify my own unhealthy behavior earlier. And I wish I had been able to identify... My partner's unhealthy behavior earlier set boundaries, inevitably would have had them crossed (laughs) and then been able to say, okay, I gave you a chance, like, goodbye, or even better to have seen the red flags, like, right in the beginning of the relationship and not have gotten into the relationship at all, which would have been probably the best outcome. Um, 
So, and you know, like I still have love for that person, even though our relationship was really abusive uh, and I wish him well. And uh, not saying that you have to wish your abuser well or have a good relationship, but just saying I'm just to prove the point that like I'm not vilifying anyone on either side of this situation. Um, I just think we can all do better, right? We can all do better and we can all grow But I feel very strongly that, like, someone else's need for personal growth should not come at the expense of somebody's, like, years and years of their life and their well-being and instilling trauma in them. And so I want to empower you all that if you recognize any of these red flags in somebody, especially at the start of a relationship, set those boundaries or walk away altogether If you recognize any of these things in current relationships, set those boundaries or walk away altogether. But just know you deserve to not have to feel this way and that any and all of these things today, and I'm sure there are more that I could have come up with, are really valid feelings to have and they're, they're really valid feelings to think are unhealthy and to not want to have in your life. And so good luck young ones, old ones, (laughs) everyone in between. I hope that this episode was interesting and or helpful. And it's just, like I said, a lot of stuff that I wish I had heard when I was younger. I basically made this episode for like 15 year old me. Um, (laughs) I probably still wouldn't have listened, but you know, at least would have planted some seeds earlier than they had been. But yeah, we all deserve to feel safe and happy and accepted and understood and seen in our relationships. And it's okay to just want to draw a line because you don't feel that way. You know, you don't have to have a good argument for why. You don't have to have these like very specific examples. It's enough to say, I just don't feel right. I don't like it. I don't like how I feel around you. I'm not comfortable. And it's really good when you're first meeting someone, if you see some of this stuff, like just walk away, honestly, before you get into anything with that person. You know, you can tell them if you want to, you can try to be like generous and, you know, I'm going to let you know that I'm picking up on this and it made me uncomfortable and this is why I'm going to, I'm deciding to maybe not proceed further with you if you want. And you never know, it could help someone or they could just tell you to go fuck yourself or whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, I found it's it's much better because I'm too empathetic. And I know that sounds like such a L.A. kind of thing to say. <laughs> I'm an empath. Um, but I am. I'm like really empathetic and I came from a really bad background, like a really, you know, dysfunctional home and a hard childhood and a hard life. And so I tend to give people too much leeway. And I found for myself that I just really have to cut that shit off in the beginning because otherwise I get all entangled and I just will put up with too much. And then I end up in like this really complicated relationship that I'm trying to get out of. And you know, everything's a hundred times harder at that point. So that's my advice to you. Do what you will, as always, you know, take what's useful, leave the rest. But I hope everyone's having a wonderful day or night whenever you're listening to this. And I will see you back here in two weeks.
Hey, Pinko. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, consider supporting it by making a monthly contribution on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash pinkspots. You can also make a one-time donation on Venmo to at pinkspots or on PayPal by using the link in the show notes below. Your donations help support a disabled, neuroqueer anarchist live off her creative work, and that's pretty damn cool.